Hi there, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. My guest today is Mo Alexander. Mo is a comedian out of Memphis, Tennessee, and we met at the memorial service for the late, great Spanky Brown. Uh, it was an unfortunate way to meet, but also kind of a beautiful way to meet somebody as incredible as Mo. Um, Spanky, as many of you know, one of the first comedians to really take me under his wing a little bit, offer me some opportunities, and try to help me grow both as a person and as a comic. And Spanky was just a special dude that everybody loved. And I happened to be passing through Memphis on my way to Dallas right around the time of his memorial, so I was able to tie my trip so I could be there. And as a result, I got to meet a lot of Spanky's family and a lot of his friends, a lot of his hometown comedy community, and among those people was Mo Alexander. Mo is just one of the most lovable people you'll ever meet. And I don't think he likes to think of himself that way. Uh, he thinks he's weird. And I'll, I'll admit, after re-listening to the podcast, he, he's a little weird, but uh, in the best way possible. Um, he's just a really good-hearted, funny person, takes no shit, really cares about the right things, and cares about comedy and loves comedy, and he's funny as hell. And he comes through Asheville every year or so, and uh, really the only time I've gotten to see him was when we were in Tennessee. Uh, everybody after the funeral went to the local comedy club and did a quick 10-minute set in Spanky's honor. And one of the highlights of my life was that they let me do some time that night. They let me be on the lineup of people who loved Spanky. That was really meaningful. And that's how I met Mo. And that's when I asked him, I said, you know, I've seen that you were in Asheville, but I wasn't able to come to the show. Are you coming back anytime soon? Of course he was, so we arranged to try and sit down and do a podcast. And it was, he's probably been to Asheville three or four times, and it's only this most recent time that we were able to finally sync our schedules and sit down and talk. And I was really glad we did. We only had about an hour, but it's enough for you to get a taste of who he is and love him as much as I do. And really get to know this guy who's really generous of spirit and heart and has had this incredible life. Uh, he's died once or twice and come back to life and he talks briefly about it and I guess in since the time that I met him so in the time that I've known him he he died once you know saw the light the whole business and he came back and he had to learn how to walk and talk again and and he gets into it a little bit we talk about it but based on how he works as a comic he lost an entire album just because he lost his memory I just can't even imagine that. Anyway, it speaks to how differently comics work. Because, like, I write everything down meticulously. If I were to die tomorrow, someone else could pick up my act and do it. But not Mo. Uh, he keeps it all in his head, and it's always just a growing, living organism. And I guess he writes it down once he likes it enough. Uh, anyway, he'll tell you about it. There's no need for me to say it. But it's it's a pretty interesting dichotomy between how he works and how I work and and it's one of my favorite things to talk to comics about is their methodology like how do they sculpt their jokes how do they build it into a routine at what point are they ready to record an album and he had actually recorded an album just a couple months before we recorded this podcast so we talk about that that album's coming out pretty soon and I will provide the links for it once it does come out and I think you'll just really like it, man. It's a really low-key conversation, really fun, lots of laughs. And uh, I think he's just one of the most interesting people I've met in a while. 
So enjoy my conversation with Mo Alexander. Make sure you're smiling and I get hair. <laughs> that was mean, Mo. Nope, that was a that was a mean way to start it out. I didn't think it was gonna be a roast, but it's that's fine. Roast, nope. No, the shit. No, the gloves joke. are off, Mo. It's Fuck it. That's that's how you started. That's how you started, motherfucker. Oh yeah, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, you do whatever you do whatever. You, they're taking our picture, Mo. Okay, that's uh, fine. You just we're hanging out. You just we're we're rolling. Oh, so. we're rolling. Yeah, okay, fuck good. yeah, we're rolling. It's I got the roast. I got the hair joke. It's, 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 I love um, you. It's only, it's only talk, I know you love me. I'm not I complaining. What? Shit. Hey, what else talk, you got? I only talk shit about people I enjoy. Well, well, thank you. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't be on your podcast. I wouldn't be talking to you. I know. I don't deal with that. I like you. We talk. I make fun of everybody. I'm make a, fun of me. Okay. I, I'm afraid of nothing. They're good. I'm. I get worried when people don't make fun of me to my face because then I know the shit's happening behind my back. Right, exactly. So, That's exactly how it is. Because comics I don't like, I don't talk to, and I'll trash personally behind their back. And then, did you talk about me? Yes, I did. You're worthless. Get away from me. <laughs> well, at least you own it. Because I do. I own it. I've never. No, I didn't say shit. No, I own it. You're an asshole. You're dumb. You're not funny. Get the fuck away from me. Oh, yeah. brutal. Yeah, no. I mean, anything bad that's happened to me has been behind my back, and I always find out about it, and it's bad, and it's public. Right, right. And it's just like. What the fuck? Yeah, just no. talk to have a conversation with me if you have a question. No, I, I completely understand. You that. Know? I agree with that 100. percent Don't tell me some. Don't let me find you say some shit out about me third hand because I will come to you and say, "Hey, did you say this about me?" Because if you did, I'm gonna tell you what. Is that why your existence is not important to me? <laughs> well, that is a good way to go. Yep. I'm bad at confrontation. I I uh, I need to learn how to handle it better. I try not to have confrontation, but because of what I do as a comic and my subject matter, I'm going to get it at some point. Usually it's some, some old white guy like, hey, you're black. Let me ask you this question. Oh, fuck. It's going to be one of those. Oh, man. Yeah. What kind of questions people ask you like that? All kinds of horrible shit. Um, what did the woman ask me? The, oh, hey, uh, let me ask you. We were in Denver this past weekend. And she was like, let me ask you a question. Do black people people watch? Cause, cause this guy just walked in, and I thought immediately he looked like a serial killer. And I wanted to think, do you think the same thing? And I'm like, first of all, black people are mindless. I can't speak for us all, but yes, I do. People think people are serial killers sometimes. Cause I people watch, and I find you very annoying. Okay, well, thank you for that. And she just walked away. And I'm like, ugh. What kind of question is do black people people watch? I don't. Do black people breathe and drink water? I mean, what's I the what the pe- fuck kind of question is that? People are fucking dumb. That's my problem right now. People are stupid, and I'm not afraid to say that. Humans are good. No, no. The best definition I've ever heard of people were from the movie um, Men in Black. When, uh, when uh, not Will Smith, the other guy, the original guy. What's his name? Oh. Um, I'm sorry. I, I would have known it if, if um, you... Tommy, Tommy, Lee Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. He says to people, an in, he tells Will Smith, people are smart. No, no. An individual is smart. People are dumb. And it's like it's like it's herd mentality. The dumber the group, the dumber. If you have one dumb person, that's tolerable. But then they call their friends, right. and then you get this dumb herd of sheep going moo. moo. <laughs> the herd of sheep going moo. moo. Exactly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Sir. That's how dumb the sheep are. That's how dumb those sheep are. I'm they sorry to know. explain the joke. It just it took me a second. <laughs> I'm like. Uh, I was explaining it to me because apparently they literally don't know that they're making the wrong noise. That's exactly it. Do you find as a comic that like, do you immediately get, especially when non-comics are joking with you or telling you a joke or trying to get you to like, here's a joke you could use, which is my least favorite. I cut them off immediately. Here's a joke you could use. No, I can't. (laughs) 
I just say it. I'm not nice about it. I'm like, no, I can't. I use my own stuff. I, you have nothing. If you hear, if you're saying that means you've heard it somewhere else. I can't listen to it. And if you want to continue with this joke, if I've heard it, I will stop you. I do that all the time. Well, what about like I had this guy come up to me after a show. He really liked me and my show and everything. It was very, it was a very positive show. Mm-hmm. And but he came up to me afterwards and he said. I got a story for you. You can use this in your routine. And I just, I just, I just let people tell me the story. You're nicer than I am. Well, I'm newer too. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> I need more fans. You, you can start to shed some of the, yeah. the herd. I can't. Yeah. I need all, all those sheep mooing. I still need them. <laughs> so, uh, so then he tells me the story about how he's a trucker and this uh, prostitute came, knocked on his window, mm-hmm. and and offered her services and it was freezing and said she just needed a place to sleep and she just wanted some food or whatever. Anyway, he said no to all that because he's married. And then he went in and bought her a bunch of food and gave it to her. And then the next thing he saw, she was at the off-ramp selling bologna sandwiches. Oh, yeah. And that's how the first subway was created. Uh, and I was like, funny. so I was like, all right, is that a real story? No, like, it's not a real story. I'm like, but... is, I didn't understand where the joke was. Right. And he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny. And I was like, so, but my, but that's, here's my question is as a comic, mm-hmm. my friends are always like, oh, you're a comedian. I thought you would laugh at that. I'm like, I don't know where the joke was. Like right. I have now I'm so attuned to when something really is funny. Right. Cause I'm around funny people and right. I'm watching the funniest people. Right. And a lot of regular people who think they're funny are nowhere near funny. They might be funny to their, you know, their sheep friends, but they're not funny. <laughs> they're mooing. They're friends. mooing at that joke. Like, mur, 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 mur. Yeah, um, I I can't do it. I don't I don't want to hear hear the jokes. People are like, let me tell you, a joke. you can use no no I can't. I just don't have that patience. I don't have that patience. I really don't. Um, I do things. I'm likable most of the time. People <laughs> just see me as a large friendly. Hey, he's a teddy bear. Let me go talk to him. I have to carry a book on when I fly on plane so people will not talk to me. Called the A to Z Guide to Serial Killers. <laughs> I carry that with me, and for the first 10 minutes of the flight, it's on my lap. So when you sit next to me, you're going to see, oh, this guy is weird, and then they possibly won't talk to me. Now, sometimes it backfires. They're like, hey, did you read page 17? I'm like, oh, God damn it. I got one of these people who's with me. It's like he knows the book or something. I'm like, ugh, and I'm going to have to talk to him for five minutes. And then I just put my head up phones and I go to sleep, or at least I try to. So how often are you on airplanes now? Because most of the time I talk to you, you're driving to and fro. Here's the deal. If I have a week-long gig, well, we just came back from two weeks in Denver. We flew out there because it's wintertime. I'm not driving to, I'm not driving to Denver in the wintertime. Right. Even though this is the first year I probably could have, there was no <laughs> snow. Right. Normally it's like 27 feet of snow. Don't go on the road. Stay in your house. But uh, So we flew out there for two weeks. Um I try if I have a week long gig somewhere if I'm in a city for four or five days I will fly, but a lot of my gigs are one night gigs ending up at somewhere else. So I'm doing Wednesday, Thursday somewhere, ending up Friday, Saturday, Sunday somewhere else. So I'll drive to that. So I'm like eighty percent driving. Um, I fly when I when I can. Like I always fly to the Bahamas, of course. Uh, right. I fly to L.A. sometimes when I if I have to do a quick thing and come back. Uh, but most of it, a lot of it's in the car. Yeah. How often are you in the Bahamas? I do the Bahamas every year. I've been going there since 2000, 
Since 2000. Like, on the island you perform, or are you performing on a cruise ship, or where? No, no, I'm on the island. I'm at the Atlantis Resorts in the Bahamas every year for two weeks. Well, when are you taking me on that? Uh, well, so, <laughs> someone's got to die. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sleeping. That's not, I'm not even being mean. That's how the bookers say. If we have to move someone in there, someone has died. <laughs> because everyone wants that gig. Oh, no, I just want to open for you. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Everybody wants that gig. Everybody wants that uh, gig. Yeah, I'm it's, sure. It's, it's, it's 26 comics. It's... Uh, 52 weeks a year. They book two weeks at a time, so you're down there for two weeks. And so there's uh, basically 26 comics down there every year. Or, well, no, 52, I guess, because it's two comics. And yeah, so that's what it is. It's two comics for two weeks. The first week is great because, well, it's not great. I mean, it's great for me. I still enjoy it because it's two weeks and I don't have to talk to anybody in the States. So I can just, I can just shut off my phone and. Be like, yay, no one can talk to me. Sit on the balcony naked, drinking rum. Uh, and the second week, it's like, oh, God, it's a countdown. Come on, I've been here a week. I've done everything I possibly can do. I've drunk. I've been drunk. I've talked to the sharks. I've petted the dolphins. <laughs> yay. I've been floating half naked in the damn uh, lazy river with turtles trying to bite my ass. So, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's great. It's great. But then that last three days, it's like, three, two, I'm out of here, bitches. Bye. <laughs> yeah, that's how the end, we end the yeah. show every time. The last night, we're out of here, bitches. Peace. Yeah. It's yeah. a good gig, though. It's a good gig. You'll get it. A bit. You'll get it. I mean, I can't get you in right now. I can oh, I can help you. I can get put your name in there, put you, get, get your name in there eventually, but... You know, you'll get there. It's a fun gig. No, oh, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being playful. I'm, uh, I'm, but I'm always happy. I, I'm looking forward to the day that we do actually get to do a show together because we've been talking about it since yeah. we met. And uh, I just always sorry that making thing didn't work out. We're gonna reschedule that. As soon as, as oh, that's soon as fine, they, man. As soon as they get their shit together, we'll get our shit together and go back down. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. All good, man. All um, right. I will look forward to it. And uh, I know you just recorded an album. Yes, sir. A few months ago. How did that go? It was stupidly fun. Oh, I good. Have to say that. Oh, good. <laughs> it was actually a lot of fun. We recorded inside Sun Studios, the legendary Sun Studio in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, where, you know, Ike Turner first came out and Elvis Presley and all that whole group of people, Johnny Cash, all those guys. Right. And we moved stuff around in the actual studio, not like in the hallway, not in the, 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 the restaurant next door. We cleared out the studio, we moved the pianos around. Moved a bunch of guitars out, set up about 50 to 60 chairs per show, did two shows in one night, and it was a lot of fun. That is so cool. I got to do a lot of... It didn't become real to me. uh, This is my first album for stand-up records, and Dan Schleichel... uh, Is it Schleichel? I I always... Schlissel. Schlissel. I always get his name wrong. Dan Schlissel. He, uh, He suggested... He was he wanted to do something weird. And I'm like, all right. And he suggested Sun Studios, and I'm like, you know what? That's cool. Let's do it. And I didn't think they were gonna actually let us do that. I'm like, they. I didn't think they were gonna really let us yeah. do it. And he pulled it off. It didn't become real to me till the day before the taping when I finally, when they let us in and we walked in and I'm in the control room that no one's supposed to be in. <laughs> and oh. I'm just like. Holy shit, this is real. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, really going to happen. Very real, yeah. Holy God. Oh, my God, really? We're going to do this tomorrow? Yay. So, yeah. So, uh, we're in the process of doing that one right now. Um, finishing it. Finishing yeah. it. Um, yeah, we, we recorded two shows, and we we were almost done. We got to send the edit. I mean, we got to send the thing back to the producer to edit it out, and it should be out in a few months. Very cool. Yeah. So... Uh, okay, she said this is your first album for stand-up records. Yes. How many albums have you put out? Uh, on my own, um, 
five or six. I can't really. Five full, five full on albums. Then there was like something I created, which was like a compilation of all the stuff that didn't make it onto the other five albums. Okay, just besides, a little, yeah, yeah, just a, yeah, just a little thing. It was a very limited release. I made a hundred copies and sold that to friends of mine okay. who wanted to get them. Why don't you do this bit anymore? Here, take. It. I'm tired of it. Take that one. Take it home. And um, yeah, so six albums. This will be the seventh, I guess. Yeah. So seven indi- individual albums. They're all forty to sixty minutes long. Somewhere about that, yeah. And are they all completely unique from each other? There might be one that has a, like one bit overlap because I made a mistake. But yeah, they're all they're, they're all, all different. They're all they're different. All different yeah. Different. Um. Uh. And then, so now you're touring after recording this album. Mm-hmm. Are you still touring the, since it hasn't hit yet? Right. Are you still touring that hour, or are you touring your new hour, or starting to mute? I'm in transition. Yeah, you're transitioning new jokes in. There's new stuff coming in. There's old stuff going out because there's yeah. so much stuff I'm sick of doing. Oh yeah. But there's, I'm working as much as I humanly can right now to write another thirty-five minutes. Stu- see, well, 35, 40 minutes that I'll keep because there's stuff I use all the time. Right. That one, two, three, four shows, and then I'm done with it just because it's super topical. Oh, right. Yeah. You know? Like the thing I did last night for the first time on stage about the Australian fires. Uh huh. Because I found it's, this, is, this is true. There's a what, what, six year old, six, six year old little boy who was trying to raise money for the, you know, displaced and dying koalas and how he was doing it he so far made fifty thousand dollars right which is already amazing which is amazing that a six-year-old raised fifty thousand dollars yeah fifty thousand dollars um the way he was doing it is he's making little clay koalas little Uh, koalas out of clay and then selling them and then selling them as a like a as a little thing and that's fucking awesome but here's the irony of it if you know anything about clay pottery, you have to fire that thing after you make it. <laughs> so he's make he's making koalas to set on fire to raise money for the koalas who've already been set on fire. <laughs> That's so dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it god! It is so dark, but it, that's how my brain works. That's hilarious that he has to fire these koalas because they're already koalas have been fired. Yeah, that's so wrong to me. Yeah, oh yeah. But I have to laugh about it. Oh, and yeah, I'm not ma- people who listen to oh he's such an asshole. He's making fun of the koalas. I am not making fun of dead koalas. Now I'm not ever doing that. But this kid baking koalas to save koalas is fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's... And so that that joke will that that little bit right there will last maybe the rest of this month just right. because just because I don't know. It's it's funny if I work it a couple if if I work it enough maybe maybe we might keep it for a little while just to see what happens because I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's like how do you make that evergreen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I notice that like Bill Burr on his specials, he'll have things that are topical for the time. Mm-hmm. But they're still funny to hear years later. They're not. Oh, yeah. They're not so locked in. It's not like a an evening of Stephen Colbert's monologue, which the next day it's already dead. Yeah. Like right. Because the whole new batch of shit has happened. Right. Well, yeah. I um, agree. Bill Burr is great. Yeah. Um. So I just so I'm just thinking, you know, maybe there's ways to do it. You know. Yeah, there's, there's ways to do it. Um. There's always ways to do it. I just gotta figure out the. I have to work that bit more than I've only done it on stage once. Right, so right. I have to figure out where the things go and think, cause last night they laughed, but it wasn't what it deserves. Cause I'm like, this is really more 
this is darker than you people know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to play with it a while. So in maybe a year on the next album, that might be up there. I don't know. I throw so much material away. How was your turnout last night? Um, It was okay for having a Saskatchewan uh, bluegrass... Uh, Grateful Dead c- cover band playing across the street at Wicked Weed. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some sold out Wicked Weed. I'm like, t- uh, it was very weird. I didn't know the Grateful Dead was. Uh, I didn't know the Grateful Dead had a cover band that would be that huge. Oh, dude, and they have that. They probably have more cover bands than any other band. Like, there's so many Dead tribute bands, and plus the Grateful Dead that's touring now is practically a Grateful Dead tribute band it's only got a couple of maybe three of the original members are you telling me they're still touring oh yeah bob weir is still touring with the dead and he's touring solo he's coming to thomas wolf which i'd love to go see i'm a huge deadhead but you can insult him though it's not gonna hurt my feelings like I'm not gonna i, I get him. it i mean it's not my it's, style it's not well my no it's style. okay i'm just like i'm saying is call me bald and make fun of the dead like <laughs> i don't care it wasn't an insult i was just changing. dude relax oh. I'm, I'm just fucking with you um uh but my, but also, Asheville's a huge hippie town, and the idea that a dead band would draw a big crowd is not a shock to me. And I, I didn't even know that was going on. I would if someone told me you're playing against a cover band of a dead show. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not worried about that. But yeah, we had a decent turnout. It was fun. It was wasn't a sold out show, but we had fun with those people. I got to work a lot of new stuff to play with. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so. Like, do you ever do? I'm sure you don't do open mics anymore, right? I mean. Outside of my hometown, yes. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So you'll just, if you're traveling, you'll go to a local mic and just do a set? Uh, it Not everywhere. Not everywhere. Like if I'm in Chicago, if I'm in LA, I'm in Denver, I'm in uh, New York, I'll do something like that just to go. But I don't really do that in Memphis unless, right. I, ha- unless I have to get something out on stage right then and there. Got it. Um. Because this is sound, this is gonna make me sound like such an asshole. No, go ahead. But there are so many. Op- I mean, the Memphis open. The one of the Memphis open mics that I hang out at actually can make me worse mm. because it's like two working comics, and then the rest are wanna be new, wanna be comics, who, right? And their their structure would make me lazier as a writer. Right. Because they were just like, and this is a dick joke. And I'm like, okay, that's, never, no, I'm going home. Right. So I usually just go drink a little bit with my friends, um, do that bit that I need to get out of my mouth, and then leave. Well, I don't blame you. Um, that's an interesting thought about, like, that it could make you worse. Oh, yeah. Um, you the, To be funny, I learned a long time ago, you hang out with other funny people. Right. And hopefully funnier people. Fun, way funnier people. Yeah, yeah right. way funnier people. Uh, because you learn from them. So there's an inverse to that, too. If you hang out with shitty comics, you're just going to become a shitty comic. Oof. You might be the star of the shitty comic, but you're still going to be a shitty comic. Yeah. So you want to upgrade your lifestyle and hang out with funny people who are funny. That actually, I noticed that recently. Um, I saw a comic who's really good, mm-hmm. and I really respect him, and, and he's a tremendous comic. And I watched him give advice to another comic about a particular joke. It was in a workshop environment. And his I don't know if he was kidding with his suggestion or if he meant it. But his the joke that he suggested or the sort of premise direction that he suggested was so cliche. I didn't know if it was if he was serious or not. Okay. You know, 
But it just speaks potentially to what you're saying. Either he was joking and just trying to fuck with this guy's head and make mm-hmm. him do a dumber joke, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just he's he's been at the top of this small mountain for too long. That could happen. And and he's uh, he's lost. He he doesn't have anyone to make him better. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I noticed the same thing in yoga when I was in India at the Iyengar Institute. Um, a lot of the they make all their teachers come to India every year to study mm-hmm. because. They say if if you don't come here, who's teaching you? Right. Who's guiding your practice? Who's watching your postures? Who's correcting you? You need a teacher. You always, whatever level you're at, you need a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I still learn from. I watch comics all the time that I learn from. I mean, people I respect, and uh, you know, that's right. And uh, <laughs> all right, so we're packing to leave out of a room. By the way, we're yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so. all that noise, noise in the background is just uh, bags being packed. Yeah, that's all. It's all good. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have to. Where were they? Uh, I learned. Yeah, I still learn from other comics who are, you know, who I respect, even if they're younger in the game than I am. Uh, there's a lot of funny people in Denver who I just fucking love. I love Denver. I was just there. I just did uh, headlined one show in Denver and one in Colorado Springs bar shows. Not like I was at the whatever the club is there. Um, comedy Works. Yeah, Denver, I wasn't. A, yeah. I wasn't headlining a Comedy Works. To be okay. clear, that would be great. Um, but uh, but I did get to do some long sets and solid sets and really had a good time if you uh, don't mind let me ask you where you what bar show did you do i don't mind uh sushi high oh yeah i them. just did that one i did that one last thursday night did you really yeah i did that thursday night last week I, it, oh they must have been stoked to have you oh there. my god i by the way i don't know if she'll hear this on this podcast but katie bowman fucking rocks okay she is the booker now for the sushi high okay she's a great comic she's a great artist and an artistic drawing paintings and stuff and she's amazing. Love you, Katie. Hope you listen to this podcast so you can hear me talk about your crazy ass. Anyway, I love Sushi High. It's one of my favorite places to play. Yeah. Yeah. Just did it Thursday night. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I had a great time there. And mm-hmm. then I did a brewery in Colorado Springs. The show is called Locals Till Last Call. And I'm trying to remember the name of the brewery. It's not the Oscar Blues Brewery. It's okay. the other one. Um, and the guy from Oscar blues invited me to come do his show the next night. But, um, that was my only night there. My girlfriend came to Colorado with me for this trip and that was our one night to like have a date night. I had been teaching all weekend and it was a yoga comedy weekend for me. So I was busy literally like every waking hour. Have you ever combined both those two things? So it's interesting you say that (laughs) I have, I have, uh, created a brand called yoga Larius. And, uh, and I'm just trying to get enough yoga material Mm -hmm. that's clean enough Mm -hmm. because my, I'm just, the longer I do comedy, the less clean I become. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to get enough yoga stuff that's clean enough that I could go to conferences and do, if I did 15 minutes at a conference, it would be the easiest 15 minutes I'd ever had on stage. You know, talking about yoga to yogis, my Mm -hmm. God, they would love it. Yeah. But the problem with my stuff is it's super like blue and it just, you can change, you can't, you can't change gears easily. I mean, I'm asking. I'm not being an asshole. No, no, you're not being an asshole. I, it's it's more that I always write what feels true to me in the at the time. I get that. I get that. And so, and I write about what's in my life, and what's in my life, the biggest thing in my life, both the the best and most problematic thing in my life right now is my relationship. So it ends up on stage a lot. All right. And uh, you met my girlfriend. She was with me in yes. Memphis when we were yes. together. Um, and so. Uh, you know, and she is amazing and, and the relationship means the world to me and it's very challenging. So it ends up on stage, which I feel so bad for her. But 
you know, she knew what she was getting into. Exactly. You knew so, what you were getting into. Yeah. I was already a comic when we started dating. So right. I feel like it's, you know, she can't get upset about it. Right. Uh, although the other night she did ask me, <laughs> she probably wouldn't be happy that I'm saying this either, but she asked me not to talk about her on stage that night, you know, and just like, what well, you know, she was, she was sick and she didn't want me talking about how sick she was on stage. Cause it wasn't funny. She was like in a lot of physical pain and like, she just didn't think it was funny. And she didn't want me going up there laughing about it. And I wasn't going to mention it. And then the host said, Jason needs to go home early because he's got a sick girlfriend at home. And I was just like, so then I had to say something, but no. I, you know, but I didn't joke. All I said was, well, you, you know, she asked me specifically not to joke about her being sick. So unfortunately I can't. And then I went on with my act. Right. Uh, but I realized that what I should have said, and I've said this joke, but it's been my daughter instead of my girlfriend. But what I wish I'd said was, um, it's true. My girlfriend is sick at home right now and I should be there with her but I want to be a comedian just this much more than I want to be in a relationship. Wow. <laughs> wow. You really need to edit that out. Of this so she did not hear that. Oh, it's a joke. I mean, no, I get the joke. I, I get the joke. I, I mean, it's a good line. The, the original line was, uh, cause I, I once had to go up really early cause my daughter was home alone mm-hmm. and now she's a, she's 12. She just turned 12 yesterday. But, uh, at the time she was like 10, maybe 11. And I left her home for an hour or two and, and she could handle it, but it's still, it was a lot for us. Like the first time I left her alone. So they let me go up first. And, uh, and again, the host, different hosts introduced me. She said, you know, your first comic, he's got to come up first cause his daughter is home alone and uh, he's got to get back to her. And I said the exact same joke with my daughter. I was like, you know, it's true. My daughter is home alone uh, because her daddy wants to be, you know, a comedian, just like a little more than he wants to be a father. And it was, <laughs> so what I've realized now is I have that joke mm-hmm. that I can plug into whatever yes. the situation yes. is, yes. and it's funny. Yes. You know, I mean, ho- dark and it's awful, very dark. but it's funny. A dark comedy. I'm not one of these nice, friendly. I'm not a nice. I'm not a. I'm a happy comic, but I'm not like, hey, the world is sunshine and onions. Let's have fun and yay. Yeah. I'm like, man, the world is a fucked up place. Let's talk about it. That's what we do. Cause make yeah. you have to make. I find the I find humor in the darkest places. I have a tattoo on my arm. Which is from my vote is a Voltaire quote. Um, <laughs> God is a comedian playing to an audience too afraid to laugh. Okay? Ooh, but, wow, and I, that's and good. I, I like that. And I have the comedy and tragedy mask on here, mm. but the the tragedy mask comes first instead and, of the comedy mask coming yeah, first. because you have to take comedy from pain to make it funny. Right. I mean, the darkest shit on the planet. My, I have. When my mom died, I had probably nine minutes of material on her on her funeral, just on her funeral. Uh, so I mean, you know, I would love to hear it. Which album is it on? <laughs> just no, it might be on. No, is it on Just in Case the Minds Are Right or Give Give Me a Sec? I don't remember which album. Oh, it doesn't on. matter. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. oh, it might be. Oh no, I think it's on Nappy Headed Hoes and Other FCC Infractions. <laughs> That's what it's on. That's the one it's on. Nappy-headed hoes and other FCC infractions. Spanky was at my mom's funeral. Spanky picked me up from the airport. She died the day after my birthday. She died on November mm-hmm. 8th. I was in the Bahamas, and I had to come back. And I couldn't come back for like three or four days because I couldn't get a flight out. Right. <laughs> I got to the, I come back on Friday. Uh, Spanky picks me up at the airport. He's like, where we going? I'm like, oh, shit, you picking me up? Your Aunt Jackie told me to come get you. I got you. Let's go drink. And we drank and talked shit for that whole night. And um, then he was at my mom's funeral. It was like 
front row, the family front row, right? Right. And he's on the op, on the other side in the front row by himself and other people behind him. And uh, he, I can't, I'm not going to tell the whole story. Right? We'll talk later. Go let, go buy the CD, Nappy Headed Hose, and other FCC infractions. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the story later. But uh, he was one of the pallbearers as well. So we're taking my mom and putting her in the cat into the car. And I slammed the door, and he's on the other side of the door. Like, it was just a movie thing. He's on the other side. He just looks at me like, I got 10 minutes about your mom's funeral. And I'm just like, I don't know what you missed. I got 15 right now. <laughs> right now. 15 minutes just from that part. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was a messed up situation. It was, uh, very, it was very funny, but messed up at the same time. Yeah, well, it's it's I it's an interesting thing. I want to I want to deconstruct this tattoo of yours for a second. Yes, First sir. of all, I love the quote. Thank you. God is a comedian playing to an audience too afraid to laugh. Oh, man. That is that has never been truer than now. Mhm. And um and I and the, and I think it's interesting like I agree with you putting the tragedy mask before the comedy mask because comedy comes from tragedy. And I think what's interesting, this might be a reach or not as interesting coming out of my mouth as it is rolling around in my head, but we're at a time now where people hear comedy and then feel pain from it. Yeah. And that's so backwards. Because they're so, they have been brainwashed to the point where they're thinking their opinion matters. I am a comedian. You came to a show. Now, I'm sorry if your day was horrible. I'm going to try to make you forget about your day. But if I touch on a topic that you are personally affected by, remember, I didn't write this joke at you. I wrote this joke because it touches me in a way. Right. And, And people go, I'm offended by what you said. Good. Why are you offended? Why are you offended? Other than you just have an emotional trigger because of this word. Did you hit this listen to the rest of the sentence or did you shut down after hearing that word? Which is it? And they're like, you, you, okay, never mind. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people uptight. When people were wanting to fight about Trump jokes, I remember the, uh, John Copperon, what's his name? The guy that had, some guy got, he, somebody threw a glass at him on stage when he was doing a Trump joke. Another comic. Oh I can't my gosh, remember. I don't know. I, John Caparello, I think his name is. I'm just like, really? You people want to die on this hill? Take a, Are you so, is your leader so, are you so fragile about the, the your leadership uh, or your, your person you voted for that you're willing to fight for a joke? We've become that sensitive. Something's wrong. Yeah. So you have to take the power back in comedy and have no fear and make fun of everything. You have to make fun of everything because if you don't, they're going to start saying, oh, you can't make fun of this. You can't make fun of this. We're not going to work you at this club because you made fun of this. And I'm just like, good, I'll work the club next door to yours just to piss you off. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? I'll still sell out that room too. So go kiss my ass. People people always, I mean, it's gotten to the point where bookers are like, oh, you do Trump jokes. We don't really like Trump jokes here. Well, you know what? Maybe you just haven't heard a funny one. Right. You know, don't just because you personally like something doesn't mean I'm attacking you. I'm attacking the situation. If you don't like it, go hire a dude with puppets next week. That's all. You know, I just heard Roy Wood Jr. on a podcast. (laughs) My brother. That guy's amazing. And he said that and I don't know if it was original quote to him or if he was quoting somebody else. I don't remember. But he said that. uh, Comics and comedians are the only like 
reliable reporters right mm-hmm. now. Like that he views comedy as being like a journalist. It is. And the comedians Comed- are the only journalists you can trust. Here's Let's- the deal. Comedians tell the truth and make it funny. Right. We're not scared to say um, in, in, in like political news. You can't just outright say the president is a liar because one, unless you can prove he's a liar, which most of us can, you could get sued and lose your job and people hate you forever and you change your world. I can say it because I have a funny statement behind it and you might not like it. And that's my favorite thing right there. When I can say a truth that you fucking hate me saying, but you still have to laugh about it. Right. That's the best thing in my life. It's like my heart grows three sizes bigger when I make you laugh (laughs) at something you don't want to laugh at. But you have to. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You still hate me. I don't care. But you laughed. Now you got to go home and think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the word is right. We are, we are journalists. We have good comics are journalists. You, they're trash comics. You can, who have nothing to say about the world and just want you to beep, beep and make noises. I don't hate you because of that. That's your world. That's your truth. You do that. I can't do that. I have to make fun of the things that I see both in my own self, in my own personal life and the world and make it big and shrink it down to where we can digest it in 45 to an hour and change the world if we can. Well, I, I'm, I, th- I think uh, John Stewart said that when comedians start out, they start talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And as they evolve, they start talking about the world. Mm-hmm. And I can say for me, I have not started talking about the world yet. You, how long have <laughs> like, you been doing this now? Uh, a little over four years. Four oh, my God. Years. You're still a babe. Oh, I know. I know. You have, I'm an old baby, though. You're an old, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You need to get out of, out of here and go to a city where they have 12 open mics in a week, and you'll... You'll grow quickly. Yeah. That's the thing about Denver. They have so many shows there that you could start a year ago and be funnier than somebody 15 years in who does one show a week. There, I mean, because they just put you up and up and up. I mean, this was the first year I don't think I did more than uh, – usually I'm there to do two shows a night, two or three shows a night when I'm mm-hmm. there. But um, I, since we just flew out there and didn't have a Jeep with us, we just did one show and Ubered back and be done. Except for one night I did like – two different venues and that was fun the chain reaction place and this colorado sake company yeah do you do all alt rooms i do whatever room there is do you do comedy works when you're there i do the thick skin show when i'm there okay uh they don't headline me there yet because i've never even met wendy curtis and i need to meet wendy i've never met her but she can go to her staff and say do you know mo alexander and all that stuff like that motherfucker's funny right because i have never not killed that room Never yeah. not kill that room. And I'm not trying to be an arrogant bastard. No, no, no. You're, you're. It, I mean, it, how long have you been doing this? A long time. Twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. So you're allowed to genuinely say that you know you're a good comic after twenty I years. I mean, if you're comic. not, I, I, I don't want to say I'm a good. I'm gonna try to be a good comic every time. Yeah. I try. Every. I'm not done yet. That's the thing. I'm not done. I'm still learning. And every day I go up on stage to get better. And it's like there's a lot of co- comics who I I knew when I started when they were older than me and they were like, we're not, we're not going to follow you. I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Let's have fun. Let's have, let's do some shit. And like, let's experiment with this joke. Let's see what happens. Let's, let's try something new. Yeah. Uh, I'm always trying to just learn and be better. So do you have any, like what? So I'm, I'm always, I always like to, to hear this, like what's your worst bomb and what's your most recent bomb and what, how would you define a bomb in your life now? Cause like, then I'll, t- I'll I'll mention something about what I've learned about my comedy later. But <sighs> most recent bomb. Hold on one second, Shandy. You got anything? I don't remember. 
I got one for you. No, I know the last bomb I really had that, that I could honestly say was a bomb was a show that I should never have been on. Okay. Dodge City, Kansas. Yeah, you weren't there for that one. It was me and Charlie. <laughs> Dodge City, Kansas was a is a gig. They still do it. I'm never doing it again because there's nothing that we can. Comedy is about relationships, what you can relate to, and when I have I have no problem with racial lines, but I love black, white, straight, all that. The, what I want the most diverse crowd I can get because I'm gonna hit somebody. Right. When I have a room full of people who came for a dinner show in Dodge City, that's going to be 60 to 70-year-old white folks who have no relationship to anything that I'm going to talk about. Because mm. I talk about everything. And they're Dodge City, good little town, but we had no common ground between us, mm. nothing. Because, and it was ugly, ugly ugly because I'm an asshole and I did an hour anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I could have bailed at 45. Well, you're you're a professional, like, no, you know. I'm, like, I'm doing my hour. I could have bailed at 45. I'm like, no, I got 15 more minutes. Y'all can deal with this. And uh, uh, out of that 100, fo- 100 and some people room, I think maybe 20 had fun. Mm. 20. The others were just like, ooh, why, who is this large Negro and why is he saying words? Uh, it was, ooh. Oh, that's brutal. That was, that's the most recent one. That was like a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe two years ago. Uh, the worst bombing, it wasn't even a bomb. Wait, there's two. I have three, I have three bad bombing stories and trying to figure out which is the worst. Stewart, Florida, I was on tour with these guys. I don't know if you know uh, Daryl Rhodes. Comic out of Atlanta. No. Daryl Rose is old school. Old school. Another comic named Reverend Billy C. Wirtz. And my one of my best buddies on the planet, uh, Sad Show Benny. We used to do this show called, um, we, have, we had several names for it. Because it was like this, this mishmash of a show where it was comedy, music, and sad show freak stuff. And it was called Midnight in the Garden of Evil Knievel. Or Freaks to Men, depending on the tour we were right. in. I like Freaks to Men. Freaks to Men was great. Yeah, <laughs> that's Freaks a great name, yeah. Uh, but we were in Stewart, Florida, and this sold-out theater, two shows, two shows, sold-out theater that night, like 1,500 people per show. Oof. Fucking great. I mean, that's amazing it's when amazing. it goes well. Yeah. First show, <laughs> first show couldn't have gone any better. It was just perfect. The second show, just always the late. You you, you ever hear that story that uh, Steve Martin asked why was asked why he quit comedy? He said late show Friday. <sighs> it was a late show on Friday, so all of these rednecks were drunk as shit. Fifteen hundred of them. Hmm. Second show, drunk as shit. I walk out on stage and start my act, and within five minutes, there's an entire section of this theater. All going nigger, nigger, wow. nigger, and I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? And Reverend Billy, he was the big headliner for that show. He came out and said, "Y'all are fucking with my brother." That whole section, get the fuck out. This section over here, get the fuck out. If you want us to go on stage, we you better be not, you better listen to this month. And he kicked out half the building. He literally kicked out half the building. Wow. And 
uh, he settled the room down. We restarted the show, and I was just a ball of freaking nerves because this was maybe eight years in. Uh, that's terrifying, though. It was terrifying. Yeah, I'm having you know 700 out of 15 people do yell this at me, and uh, I went up and still tried to do 10 minutes, and it was okay, but it was. It was one of those nervous, weird. I'm just like after the show, I'm just backstage shaking, and I have to. I'm in the show. It's just not me just doing stand up. I'm in the show doing other things with these guys, and I'm just missing cues and shaking because I'm. Yeah, it was. It was I don't think anybody could fault you for that. I mean, that's pretty it was, understandable. It was real fucked up. Yeah, it was real, real fucked up. Yeah, that's a horrifying story, man. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm sorry. You I asked. asked about I'm going to be honest. I'm no, of be course. Honest. I'm only just sorry to re-traumatize you. But, <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, no, I, like, no. I like hearing this. I like hearing the story. I just don't like what the story is. Yeah, the story was. The ugh. story's horrendous. I just imagine. Oh, I was doing this. And nobody, you know, nobody laughed for an hour. No, no. But I, that's I'll, I'll, that's severe. Like that kind of mass, like you know, mob racism. I mean, that is horrifying. Yeah, it was very horrifying. Yeah. I'm just like I'm. I mean, we had security walking out of the show that night. We actually yeah. had the security came out. With, you know, people walking me and my friends to the car, just making sure we got back to the hotel. Because I'm like, this this is the weirdest show that's ever happened to me. I've never had, I've had racism attack me before, but not like that. I yeah. I was like, that's, that's, I, I, what? Yeah, no, that's crazy. Yeah. That's really terrifying. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> back to the comedy, folks. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, I, okay, I was going to tell, uh, what was I going to say? Um, cause I just had a story. I just had a show recently. I did, like I said, I, I opened for John Reap. That's kind of my biggest, those are my biggest shows yet. 400 mm-hmm. people. The first show, like 250, 300 at the second show. And the first show I, I did amazing. Like the way I say it is the first show, they loved me. The mm-hmm. second show, they liked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the difference at this point, like, I mean, the other night at the open mic, I tried some new jokes and they didn't work. So fine, I bombed with a couple of jokes, but my, my set didn't bomb. You know, the rest of the stuff is fine. I know it's fine, but I want to work out new shit, so I gotta, you know, drop it between things that mm-hmm. are, that are reliable. Um, but for me, a bomb now is like, you know, I now have some jokes that are like an eight level of laughter. So now my jokes that are a five aren't good enough anymore. Whereas a five used to be. A, a right. good laugh for me. That was a great laugh for you. Now you're like, oh, I got to do better. Well, now, yeah, it's like, so it's such a sucks. Like, I mean, I thought I had, I can go up and I can do 40 minutes and in the right room, all 40 minutes will work. Mm-hmm. But, and I can do 60 minutes, but 20 of it's, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing. Well, why don't you fix that 20 minutes? Well, I'm just saying it's a, it's a process. I'm working. Okay. But, but all I mean is like, just as far as like where I can, an honest assessment of where I'm at. Right. Um, but what I've learned now is like, as far as like everything landing at an eight or above, mm-hmm. I have 20 minutes, maybe okay. I have 15 or 10, you know, okay. like, um, so, uh, it's just, it's interesting as a comic to be growing. And like now when I write a new joke, if it doesn't get to an for me, I'm just saying an eight, if it doesn't get to an eight, then I'm not going to keep doing it. I mean, I'll do it for a while. Make, I'll, I'll give it the time it takes to to bake it into a, a good bit. That. But if it can't get there, then it's then it's not. Right. So it's just an, it's amazing like how hard it is to get that those like diamonds that are that are unbreakable bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much my best bit right now is related to my relationship, and it's it's about the really hard times that we went through, 
and uh, I, I, it's hard to do it anymore, you know, because we're through the hard hardest times and we're back into a, a, we'll a, record a that good time. And record that and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. Record that bit. Do it in the do, do it somewhere. Record that bit. Be done with that bit. Move on to your next relationship bit. My next, yeah. Well, it's just hard to like dump my best seven or eight no, minutes right now. No, it's not. You, so no, it's not. You you say that now. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, all of my old killer bits. Everybody's like, you need to do that bit. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm tired of that. It's yeah. done. And I have another. Because you always worry about can I replace that killer bit? But you will. Right. You will, and you'll find the keys to make this another bit kill harder than that other bit that everybody talked about. They used to talk about a bit of mine called Mo Alexander's Big Book of Black Baby Names. They were like, why aren't you doing that? Because <laughs> that's old. I don't want to yeah. talk about that anymore. Too many other comics have something similar, and I don't want to deal with that. Now, the possum story, which is one of my big bits right, right now that I'm so sick of doing, and I can't wait till the album comes out because then I'm no, no longer telling that story. Right. And um, But, you know, right now I'm moving on to other stuff. I got this whole other thing. Um <laughs> I can't talk about it, but yeah, I got the other stuff ready to replace it already. Yeah, and I'm just trying to make those bits longer because they they hit just as hard. But that possum story now ends up being almost seven minutes long. I mean, right. I, I saw it. it. That's what I saw you do when when we were in when we oh, met in Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. yeah, you've seen that. And that yeah. it's gone, that's it's, so it's, solid. It's but it's gotten longer. It's gotten longer, and there's more intricate details into oh, it. Okay, put that just like because that night you saw me. Um, we were only just doing ten minutes, so I had right. to cut that bit down to like three and a half, four minutes. So you did other stuff. So you could do, do other, other stuff. stuff. I, I don't want you to do the whole possum story, and that's yeah. it. But yeah, so I have to I have to cut that down and uh, build it up depending on whatever show I'm doing. Um, but I have stuff ready to replace that as my opening right now, and then I got to get rid get rid of my Trump stuff because we're about to get rid of him. And uh, but up boom, hey, let's um, hope. Let's. You know, I got, I I have to always constantly move towards different stuff. Whatever's yeah. happening, I want to. If it here's the key for me. If it bothers me, I'm probably going to talk about it. Right. Yeah, that's my key. That's my that's my go-to. If it bothers me, I'm going to talk about it at some point. I'm going to figure out a way to talk about it. Yeah. That's really good. That's a nugget right there. Yeah. If it bothers that's, me, I'm going to talk about it. That's how that's how my comedy is. If there's an issue out there that bothers me, I'm I have you didn't you haven't heard this bit. It's on the album too, but there's a bit I have talking about um Blue, the whole Blue Lives Matter movement. Right. And people, as soon as I say that, they're just like, oh, don't you fuck with cops. And I'm like, no, listen to the words right. that I'm about to say. Just don't listen to the concept because it's not going where you think I'm going. Of course. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So what do you do with, like, you, you talked about, like, your uh, Mo Alexander's big book of black baby names. Did mm-hmm. I get that right? That's right. When you talk about that book, do you feel like you're saying lots of other people are doing stuff like that right now? Mm-hmm. So do you, first of all, do you listen to a lot of other comedy? Do you watch other comics or I do you try not to? It. I know I, I try not to. Wa- okay. There's a couple comics that I'll watch no matter what. Okay. Because we're not going to do the same style. We don't do the same thing, but I don't like to watch a lot of comics that, like for instance, uh, Leslie Jones has a new stand-up special. Right, can't wait to watch that one. Cannot wait to watch yeah. that one. Her, Dion Cole, Roy Wood Jr., uh, people I know, I'll watch. You know, 
Right. Because I just like, all right, what are you doing now, you son of a bitch? What right. Are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when Roy comes out, I'm like, you motherfucker, you. Because uh, we came up the same time. Oh. We've been friends for years. Okay. He beat. He got on Star Search in 2000, and I didn't. That's that's the difference between our careers. Oh man. Because I they had called me back. I had the second call back and the third call back, and I was about to, but somebody, some management moves happened and bumped me off because they wanted to get the other person on who right. never even heard of anymore. But there mm. was something back in 2000. Roy Woods got that spot, killed it for a couple of weeks. Then you know he makes fun of that little R&B group that a bunch of nine year olds that. Got him off the screen, but uh, I don't even remember the question. Now. I'm just well, I was trying to find out if like you. I was asking if you watch a lot of comedians oh, because yeah, I do watch a lot of comedians. I watch a lot of comedians, but I watch them to see not their material really. I mean, every now and then something will make me honestly laugh, right? But most of them don't. I'm just like, okay, I see what you're doing. That's cool. I see how you did that. That's a nice move, right? Dion Cole's one of the few that really makes me laugh because he's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. just said, uh, Leslie Jones is just retarded. And I mean that in the best way possible. Don't call him saying you can't use that word. <laughs> um, I watch comedy. I love comedy, but I just hate a lot of the comics that I see coming up doing the same bullshit. Right. You know, there's so many, there's so many cookie cutter people that are the same, the same, the same. Uh, the few breakouts, there's a few breakouts out there, but. The most a lot of them don't interest me. Yeah, I mean, I love I love stand up, and I will always do stand up no matter what. Even if after I, I did, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but after the hospital, when I dropped dead for two minutes and stuff, I the first time I was off stage from January to July, I was on stage seven days after get out of rehab in a wheelchair doing jokes that I had just written, only in the hospital because I had lost all the other jokes that I was supposed to record for another album because of all the drugs and medication they had me on for three months. And um, I had just written a new 20 minutes or whatever it was at that time, 30 minutes, and did that at, this, at the Chicago Comedy Exposition in a wheelchair, never trying these jokes in front of real people other than the nurses and the staff at the hospital. That's it. <laughs> what? I just imagine you in the hospital being like, tell me if this is funny. No, like, no, 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 I would never do that. I would never, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, the, I don't write like that. I, shit happens. And then I talk about it. I'm not like, is this yeah. funny? I'm, this, I'm like, I'm just like, they're, I just tell the story that what just, was going on to me. Yeah. And they would start laughing about it. I'm like, did that really happen? Cause I had a male nurse tell me I was going to hell in the hospital. And this is absolutely true. A male nurse, my first day in ICU, he's like, talking to me, and I wanted to beat his ass. I really did, because I had a blood clot in my lung, and I had pulmonary embolism, and I couldn't really breathe, but he's, like, trying to get me to laugh. He's like, hey, you want to hear a joke? And I just wanted to say, fuck you. I can barely talk. Why do you want me to fucking laugh? Right. But I couldn't do that, because he's a male nurse, and he could accidentally kill me on purpose. So I had to be nice to him the whole fucking time. But all day long, I wanted to beat his ass. And then right before he got off shift, he asked me questions like, so what's your relationship to Jesus? Okay, first of all, fuck you for asking me that, okay? Right. Just put the fucking meds in my arm. Let me alone. Don't be asking me about my religious beliefs because that's not your job. Just do your fucking job. And I'm an asshole, right? I could breathe better. Give me some medicine. And he asked me that question, and I'm an asshole there. So I'm. this is what I said to him. Uh, unless you fuck up, hopefully long distance. Okay, he did not. 
God, that's the perfect joke. <laughs> that's a real quote that was said out of my mouth on pain medication and blood thinners and everything else in ICU. And then he lost his fucking mind and started going off and proselytizing. <laughs> you going to hell. You going to hell unless you find your relationship with Jesus. Jesus, you need to become a Southern Baptist. And that's when I stopped him. Like, nigga, we are in a Methodist hospital. How the fuck are you in here trying to recruit? And then my brother walked in. He's like, is there a problem? Yeah, get this motherfucker away from me right now. <laughs> right now. I don't want him around me. And I ended up getting him fired. I got him fired for doing that to me because you ain't supposed to be telling me that shit. You got your job. Just put the medicine in me. And yeah, I'm a horrible person. Oh, no, that is not a horrible person. That is a that is exactly how you should respond to a situation right. like that. He so, has no business. So that story was one of the first things. That's the first day I was in the hospital. Okay. And I was in the hospital for four months because of some blood clots and open surgeries and fuck up surgeries. And all those things began to be another album. And that album is called Got Clots. Okay. okay. It's all about me dying, being in rehab, uh, uh, seven surgeries, uh, all the weird shit happening to me in the hospital, all the weird shit happening to me in rehab and having to relearn how to walk and all that stuff. That's all on that album. And it's all that material that came from the three or four jokes that aren't f about that uh, were supposed to be on a different album called Crazy Vaginas Are Magical. And those, <laughs> I know, oh no, I'm sorry. I lost most of that album in the hospital because of the, but those three <laughs> jokes that didn't, uh, I, that I still remember made it on that album, Got Clots. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. You understand? We had, you understand? People always say, I'm so sorry that happened to you in the hospital. I'm sorry. Than, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm laughing too oh, hard to okay. have a conversation okay. because okay. crazy vaginas are, crazy are vagina, magical is dude, the funniest the art, fucking sentence I've ever heard. We had the artwork and everything. And have you ever seen the Prince album um, Around the World in a Day? Uh, I'm sure I have. Uh, yeah. okay. I remember it. I don't. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine the cover. But the imagine the cover was all these weird looking people, and that's the, that's the album with Paisley Park and all that on it. Okay, the one right after uh, Purple Rain, yeah. completely different style, kind of Beatleish, hippieish kind of thing. And that on the uh, on the album artwork, it's this real colorful mountains and stuff. And on the back, if you open up the whole album, the mountains are a naked woman's body. Okay. Uh. And when you see a nipple color, it's all different colors, so you don't really tell if it's like, it's a colorful mountain. You're like, that's a, those are legs and those are nipple. Oh, my God, this is beautiful. All right. So my album cover was going to be a takeoff of that. So instead of the, 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 the uh, sad image of the mountains like that, I was taking the same colorful legs and everything and coming out of the vagina riding a horse, riding a, uh, riding a, unico a Pegasus unicorn, and it was like crazy vaginas are magical. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> it was so fucking, uh, but I lost 98% of that album. Just so, gone in my head. So, and it wasn't recorded. It wasn't written down. It was, the... I don't write stuff down until I like it. I'm very, all the writing I do is in my head until I like it. And then I'll do it 30 times on stage. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I can write it down. And you don't record all your sets and no, film your sets? No, I don't. Oh, wow. I'm weird. I'm weird. I write in my head. It's not weird. It's just like, man, I record, I, I film everything. I used to just voice record it. Yeah. But what I learned was that I didn't know what I looked like on stage. And when I first saw what I looked like on stage, I was like, oh, that's not good. Mm -hmm. Like, I look angry. I look, mm -hmm. I look this. I, I started, so I started filming every time so I could start to pay attention to more of like my nuances and, and, and my physical 
comedy, which there isn't a lot of. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty stationary, mm-hmm. you know. But I've become less stationary. But now I've got this thing where I like float, and I can't tell if it's a nervous float or a casual float. I right. haven't figured it out yet. Um, and uh, so yeah, so I just, I've just taken to filming everything so I can watch it, I can, I can hear it, and also I have a lot. Of, I've gotten very into crowd work, and I have a lot of great crowd work moments. And so I'm, I think what my Instagram feed is going to be now that I'm going to start trying to make myself known a little more right is uh it's going to be crowd work moments it's not going to be okay. material moments because i don't want to i don't want to put out material because i want people to see the material but right. the crowd work's not going to happen the same way twice anyway right. and uh and that is where i shine fortunately or unfortunately like my biggest laughs come in those organic moments mm-hmm. which is great except my material is so meticulously written that if I do crowd work, my meticulously written material doesn't hit as hard as it should. Right. Well, but that, that's good, though, because you end up transitioning to more of a free flow act, but you'll still have material, but you'll end up being able to be looser with it. That's my goal. Yeah. I want to flow. I, I want it to be so you don't know whether I'm doing crowd work or material. That's right. my, like Bobby Slayton. I don't know if you. I love Bobby Slayton. Yeah. I love Bobby. Bobby he, is, he is a master at that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I was doing a documentary about him at one point, so I filmed him performing like five or six times. And I started to realize, oh, he just like, he just got his act. He's got two, three, four hours of material. And he just goes on stage and does whatever he does of that four hours based on his interactions with people. And it's super fluid every time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's perfect. I mean, here's a comedy comedy secret. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I I try to flow on my acts. All my jokes, they should run together. Right. And I think it was maybe Todd Young. I don't know if you know Todd, but Todd was like the comedy uncle back then. He just finally retired. But uh, I think he was the one who taught me about note cards. So I'd write my act on my note cards, right? Okay. And then every night before I went on stage, I'd shuffle my deck and deal out my time. Oh, so you'd have to do a different order every time. Every time. That way everything can flow. You end up building transitions for any and everything. That is a great. That's me. That's how I do my. That's act. a really great secret. I just. I, that's how I used to do my act. Now it's just like, I know where I want to begin. I know where I kind of want to end, and what happens in the middle is anybody's guess. Hmm. I'm weird. <laughs> Why do you feel the need to qualify that with saying you're weird? I am most my one of my one of my close friends is a guy named Stan Chin. He's meticulous, word for word. He's. I can I can't do his act word for word, but just watching him do the same exact motion for everything he you know if I see him ten times yeah. I can call the next motion with his hand his foot but it's it's like it's like a martial arts kata it's kata he mm. knows his shit perfectly right. and I can't awesome. operate like that yeah I can't it hurts uh, it's not that I'm lazy I'm just more I'm I'm not insulting his style he's a fucking master what he does but I like to change my act depending on the crowd to right. see what we're going to do now where how dark can we go can we start with this koala material tonight can we start with this other thing about <laughs> a vagina candle that i just wrote five minutes ago uh, <laughs> a vagina candle yeah i wrote yesterday i wrote this because i heard about the vagina candle and every other comic on the planet is doing horrible vagina comics and i'm just like that's just stupid and uh my what was my line um Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle smells of narcissism and dried cold play. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now I'm on this candle. And see, that joke was good for one night and one night only. I put it on Facebook. I'm really done with it. Yeah. It just made me happy to say that because <laughs> I think anyone make, who's who's narcissistic enough to sell a candle that smells like her vagina doesn't know what her vagina smells like. <laughs> She believes it's magical. She believes it's magical. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy pajamas are magical <laughs> candles. Crazy pajamas are magical candles. My remix album. Oh my <laughs> god! See, to me, that's such a funny. Like, I can imagine expanding that bit and doing a bunch of different celebrities and what their vagina candle would smell like. Well, see, I do. I do, but see, I'm not gonna put that on stage. I'm not gonna put that on stage. What I will do. It's sort of on my Facebook page. Okay. Like today I posted, I woke up this morning really early and was like, what was my line? Oh, John Wick just put out a new candle. That's all it is. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all he said. That's all you need to know. John Wick just put out a new candle. Right. That's a joke in itself. Right. And it's just fucking weird. Yesterday, the thing I posted about it was like, hey, just a warning. Nobody buy the Medea vagina candle. That's all <laughs> That's all <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. That's just, and last night I did that line on stage and added the phrase, it's a trap. Don't do all you do. <laughs> oh, you're hurting me, dude. I'm sorry. But see, I can tell these jokes because I'm never doing them again. Oh, and now they're a little bit infamy on your podcast. I love it. That's like and people are like, oh my God, Mo is ridiculous. Let me go buy that app. Was it crazy vaginas or magical? No, it's not that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too funny, man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm really weird. So uh, I just want you to stop. Um, saying that you're really weird, yeah, I, know, I, I, I do, I do. I would like you to stop saying that because I would I, like to stop saying that too. But it's, it's kind of a defensive. Mind. I know, but I don't feel that you need that. I and, know I don't need it, but then there's crazy vaginas and they're magical. Okay, let me see if I can formulate this. <laughs> Go ahead. I know, I, it's just one of those little self-defense mechanisms. We all have them. It's one of those. It's. Just, it, I don't mean it. I know I'm rid- ridiculously interesting. Um, but if you said that every time, <laughs> I know, I know, I'm interesting. <laughs> I'm ridiculously interesting. You know what? I think that I, might I be get the, it. I think that might be the name of the new CD. Yes, yes, I know, I'm interesting. I think that might be the name of the new. CD. I think you got to add ridiculously in there. Ridiculously I'm ridiculous. Even it could just be called ridiculously interesting. That I could think, be the name I of think, the album. I think we found the name of the new CD. Could we be trying to figure out the name yeah. of the new CD? Because it's the first one I didn't write with an intention of having a name already pre-done. Okay. All right, so hold on. Some what's happening here? We're gonna have to do this quickly. Okay, that's fine. This has been amazing. Um, tell me, th- dude, don't be sorry. I'm so happy we got to do this. It's been I met you two and a half fucking years ago, and we've right. been trying to do this since then. Yeah. So I'm just grateful that we we're able to make it happen. I'm grateful that you want me on your podcast. Well, that's insane, but you're welcome. <laughs> why? Um, why wouldn't I want you on my podcast? I know I'm ridiculously interesting. You're ridiculously <laughs> interesting. See how much better. <laughs> Okay. How much better did that feel than it to did, say, I did. know, it I'm weird. so much great. I've had to do it. I'm ridiculously interesting. I felt like the most interesting man in the world. I'm ridiculously interesting. I like that. That was, that was perfect. So, all right. So, so. <laughs> all right. So I have a couple nuggets that I'm going to take with me today. Okay. If it bothers me, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. And your takeaway is I'm ridiculously interesting. I'm ridiculously interesting. That's your new thing I want that you is. to say about yourself. That is. That is my new thing. We do want to see you because we we only got to see you do 
you know, 10 minutes. minutes. And we only got the short possum joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I want to hear, I want to see and hear the rest of your act because my guess is it's ridiculously interesting. It's ridiculously interesting. (laughs) I was really hoping you'd say it fast. You know what? It's ridiculously interesting. There, cut that in there and mix it together. (laughs) All right, Mo. Thank Um, you, man. Let me plug some stuff. Oh, yeah, plug some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My website is moalexander.net because some old company has moalexander.com. I don't know why. Um... Instagram Mo Alexander. It's M O Alexander everywhere you find me. Pretty much M O Alexander. Um, yeah, go listen to my other albums. Uh, the last one I had out was called Got Clots. And oh, by the way, here's something interesting. It was released a year to the day that I actually dropped dead. I dropped dead April fifth, two thousand fifteen. I made that CD come out April fifth, two thousand sixteen. That is yes, amazing. I'm insane. Yes, ridiculously interesting insane all right that's that's it there go do your thing okay thank you mo thank you so there you have it my podcast conversation with the incredibly interesting mo alexander i really loved it i am so glad that guy came to town and made time to talk to me I feel like we were just getting into it. I feel like, I don't know if I've said this to you before or just my friends, but a lot of people tell me this podcast gets a little long sometimes. And that's because the first hour is about something and the second hour becomes something. And I really feel like Mo and I were just starting to enter into that zone where our conversation was about to become something. And you kind of need the first half. It's like the setup to the joke and the second half is the punchline. And the punchline doesn't have any meaning without the setup, but you know, the setup can feel a little long sometimes. <laughs> so I think for anybody who's complaining about how long my podcasts are, just know that it's setting up something beautiful that happens in the second half. And in this case, uh, we had to get all the beauty out of the first half. It's just an hour long. So it was uh, it was really great, man. I'm just really, I think about Mo and I'm, I feel a lot of gratitude to him for taking time to meet with me. And also, I know he's trying to get me on the road with him. And one of these days, it'll happen. We'd even had a show booked with a club, and then the club just wasn't ready. So they just didn't open. We were going to be their opening weekend act, which is kind of exciting. And the place just wasn't ready. So I think it's ready now, and if it happens again, maybe he'll have me back there. But whatever the case, he's a great dude, and I would recommend seeing him, listening to his albums, whatever you can do. Follow him on all the social media We will put that stuff in the show notes and just look for Mo Alexander. I think his website is like slapthestupid.com or something. But if you just do a Google search for Mo Alexander, comedian, you will find him and you will love him. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Bruce, for producing this for me. I don't know how you do it, but these podcasts always sound better after you've gotten your hands on them. So, you know, I appreciate you, Bruce Sales from Two Bruce Studios in Asheville. If anybody's looking to have their podcast produced by an expert, Bruce Sales is the guy you want. Speaking of things you might want, if you want to support the podcast, just go to our website and click the donate button and send us some cash. We appreciate it. That's what keeps this thing going. Honestly, it's not what keeps it going because I don't get a lot of donations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you could change that you could start donating and help me out but in the meantime I am funding this out of the not abundant enough sales of my yoga product and my always expensive burgeoning comedy career I actually am so happy to be doing this podcast This, this podcast brings me a lot of joy 
If it brings you joy, there are just a lot of ways you can help it grow. So you can donate, which we appreciate. But you know what? Even more important than that, I just want you to listen. Listen, subscribe. If you could take a few minutes to rate and review us on iTunes, that would be amazing. Tell your friends about learning to fail. Tell your comedy clubs that I exist. I don't know. Do whatever you can. Get the word out. That's what helps. That's what makes a difference. And I look forward to the next time you tune in. All right. Thank you for listening. Oh, wait. I almost forgot. Here are a last few words from Mo Alexander. Just a little epilogue to entertain you. Just a little something. Also, he'll tell you how to find him on social media, stuff like that. All right. We love you. Come back. Keep listening. Adios.